Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, Football Unfocused, the podcast in which myself, uh, Mark, and my uh, oldest, one of my oldest friends, Matthew, uh, discuss issues that are loosely uh, related to football. Uh, Matt, how are you? I'm good. Yes, I'm good. I'm, I'm enjoying the, today's the first time we've actually used the title of the podcast. Though I still, I still quite liked when Harry met Ali. Though you were never quite sold on that one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's <laughs> fucking awful, isn't it? Like, Christ. No. Yeah, I mean, football unfocused is pretty poor, but the, you know, I, I I'll go with it on the basis that it it lowers expectations and it and it and it sort of it goes some way in explaining that don't come here if you're expecting to learn anything. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't you didn't like murder on the Zidane floor either. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it raised a. A slight smile in the one corner yeah. of my mouth. But, did, did you, you know? Then did you think less of yourself after after that smile? I, I just think if I if I admitted to anybody um, in the real world that I was I'd put my name to a podcast called Murder on the Zidane Floor, the self loathing would become so unbearable. I'd just jump out of a fourth story window uh, within a week. <laughs> okay, so what are we gonna what are we talking about? He's today? done it again. I tell this guy every week, don't, bring, oh, don't, don't refer sorry, me, sorry. me by my surname. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe was actually beeping out the... Um, she was beeping out when I was saying... Um, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, won't, that won't sound unnatural, will it? <laughs> yeah. oh. So, what are, we, what are we talking about today? Well... Oh, oh shit, sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry, dear. what are we talking about today, Mark? Um, well, Matthew, I, uh, my understanding was you wanted to talk about fan culture. So I guess uh, it, it sounds quite a loose term, but but I, I very much kind of in my head, I'm quite clear about what I mean by that. But what do you what, you know, as a, as a slightly more casual observer of football, yeah. what do you what, what comes to your mind when you think about fan um, culture? So, yeah, so you know, look, sort of looking at this topic, I guess you know, I was drawn primarily, and and you have talked, you mentioned off air how you felt that hooliganism was a, a subject that has been um, uh, sort of done to a, 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 a detailed degree, but but it was, it seems like an obvious question, and I'm sure it is. You know, the dichotomy, the comparison between the violent. And the, the violence and the hooliganism of the 70s and 80s with the corporate, arguably soulless and possibly more boring fan culture in the modern game. So basically, is, is would you say that's a fair uh, comparison, a fair description? And if so, if you do think that is so, what would you choose out of, out of those two things? Uh, I think it's a, um, with the greatest respect to the question, it's a... a it's a, it's the kind of assessment that I would expect from somebody who, <laughs> does, like, does look because football uh, hooliganism was so prevalent in the seventies and eighties, sort of you know really it actually started in the late sixties. Personal yeah. examples of it, and but then really got big in the seventies and eighties, and then became affiliated with um, right wing politics and, and all sorts of other stuff on occasions, um, not, not, um, totally. Um, it's very easy then to sort of badge, right. Seventies and eighties football was all about hooliganism. And, and now it's this, you know, this sort of post premier league sky sports, corporate sanitized, uh, 
you know dream uh, for them <laughs> and th th yeah of course there is there is there is a kernel of truth in that and you know in terms of a trend i mean like the you know today's football fan there is undoubtedly um it costs more money to get in so they're they're going to be more affluent <clears throat> older uh, and less likely to to you know start kicking each other's heads in <laughs> um and that's inside and outside the ground it doesn't mean that their incidents don't happen but the incidents that happen in and around football now will be more um on the fringes so there'd be transport hubs to and from games or um you know sort of you know back streets town centers and, and a lot of it actually quite shocking is sort of pre-arranged uh, stuff but even that i think has sort of started to to die out um but yeah i i feel that the the biggest change that you know as as a as a sort of passionate and regular football attender of football matches one of the things that i don't like about the shift in fan culture over the last sort of 20 years is the um the the lack of it, it feels now that what people while a lot of people consider to be fan culture and what they they themselves consider to be them kind of engaging with the game is actually way more top down than it ever was they're they're being they're having a kind of a version of football kind of dictated to them by a variety of sources and therefore it becomes far far less uh sort of you know organic and bottom up football fan groups have always kind of formed and they formed identities around clubs and around kind of you know dr even like down to like dress codes and ways of behaving and and music scene and all sorts of stuff like that and it all sort of you know grew organically whereas now uh, i guess this this may sound like a really really trivial example but so as a as a as somebody who has lived uh, their entire life in and around the London area, I realised that I had no family or sort of legitimate claim to be a Liverpool supporter, right? And if you go if you go by the um, the sort of you know the, the the I guess the the classic idea that you support your local team, then immediately I have no credibility as a football sport. And weirdly enough, and I've I, I wrote a few articles for Liverpool fanzine back in about. Sort of 2008 9 and, and it's bizarre because it you know it sounds like almost like a sort of self-loathing team but i i actually agree to a large extent with that principle as a liverpool fan i've found myself over the years as well kind of really rolling my eyes and disliking quite a large chunk of you know sort of southern based liverpool fans that i sort of come across and i think the reason for that is that i was always so aware because I was so in, so into football from so young, and I got into got into Liverpool and became so kind of fixated with them, without really quite respecting the geographical barrier between, uh, you know, the sort of two or three hundred miles barrier between me and Anfield, <laughs> and because of, but, but it was kind of too late. There was that emotional attachment, and it was too late to kind of let go. And my dad, even though he's a big Ipswich Town fan, and he took me to Ipswich games and stuff. Um, because we didn't live there, we you know, um, we we weren't you know, we weren't there every week. It was sort of you know Christmas holidays, Easter holidays, etc. So it allowed this Liverpool thing to sort of flourish, and so therefore, sort of, I was I was absolutely craving the the credibility, and I, and that's why I feel I've always had this kind of this this 
necessity to just throw everything at it and be it like every game because I think to myself I don't ever want to be I don't ever want my question my credibility as a football fan to be questioned and that's why I take great pleasure in sort of people from London it doesn't happen so much these days I think the world's maybe changed but you used to get it a lot uh people from London sort of you know meeting you hearing your accent and go oh what, you know what are you doing being a Liverpool fan and I sort of say to them all right well hold on you're a you're a 20 minute tube journey away from your club and you haven't been for three seasons. Whereas in that time, I haven't missed a Liverpool home game. And it costs me, you know, sort of 150 quid for my train and match ticket every time I go. And at the time, you know, I'm an A-level student or at university or whatever. Yeah, so I'm very aware that I'm not from Liverpool and and have no claim on Liverpool. And um, so when I first went, so basically, I would, you know, I, I, I went whenever possible. I'd pick up tickets for away games in London uh and my dad took me to when Liverpool played Ipswich a couple of times at Portman Road and then for my 13th birthday I went to Anfield for the first time with my parents um and then for the next two or three years until I was uh sort of 16 and had a part-time job the only time I saw Liverpool was you know away games at West Ham and Tottenham Crystal Palace uh Wimbledon etc um, so when I started going, once I was in my, doing my sort of A-levels and I had a part-time job and had, had the ability to buy tickets myself and was old enough and trusted to get a train to the other side of the country, I was, I mean, I was just so fixated with everything to do with the club and, I, and obsessed with it and the culture of the city. Because I think what I think you cannot separate is the, identi- the, club, the identity that a club draws from the city from which it derives. They're, they're, those two are, you know, there's an inextricable link, which is why I have views on whether or not you can be a supporter of a particular football club and hold a point of view, because there are some clubs that are are so tied to an ideology that it, it just, it, it beggars belief, for example, Liverpool is a city that it, it is a socialist city, it is a city with a proud tradition of standing against authority, standing against um, the Tories, and I find it baffling how anybody could be a Liverpool supporter and a Tory. And I don't meet many, but when I do, I just find it baffling. But anyway, when I started going to Liverpool, I was very aware that I just wanted to soak it all up. And even Dad's like, you know, where I went before the game, I'd start going in this this pub behind a cop called the Albert, and I've seen so many people over the years, day people on a day trip. And they're obviously there for the first time and their bags laden, packed full of souvenirs they got from the club shop. And they start going into a pub like that, full of people who've been going in there for generations, you know, and they're singing their songs that are not the sort of songs that are going to get sort of, you know, repeated on like Sky Sports and stuff. They're the songs that the real hardcore fans know that have got like seven or eight verses and the chorus and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, they're not like chants, they're proper songs. They sound like folk songs. And I would just stand by the bar and just soak this up and just be in like heaven. And, you know, year after year after year, just sort of getting to know people in there and sort of, you know, just sort of taking it all in and learn, learning and observing rather than being arrogant enough to think you can be an outsider from this place and then you can just go and impose yourself on that. And I think learning about the culture of a club and the history of a club and that the, the area that they're sort of representing particularly if you're not part of that that uh, culture or that um, uh, sort of social environment. I think that's really, really important. 
And one of the things that I dislike about modern day football is firstly the sanitization of those identities, but also the lack of appreciation of that kind of, you know, the, the culture of a club and how, how kind of important that is. And, you know, I'm not saying that anyone who supports any football club should have to do a bloody, you know, history lesson on their results in the 1950s. But actually, maybe I am saying that. Because just a small, some, some sort of initiation would be... Yeah. Would be, would I mean, you, can't, you can't, you surely. I've seen, I've seen Liverpool supporters on the train up to Liverpool reading The Sun. Again, I haven't seen it very often, but I have seen it. And I just think, even if you know nothing about this club, surely, if you've got even a passing interest, you've got enough of an interest to have gone and bought yourself a Liverpool shirt and to be on a train to a game and have bought yourself a ticket. So you must know a little bit about Hillsborough and you must know what that newspaper and what did to the club and the lies they tried to spread and the impact that had on the bereaved families and the city and the people and the fans of the club for generations. And it's a simple principle that you just don't buy. You just do not buy. If you love Liverpool Football Club, you don't buy the sun. And that before every game, particularly prior to the, the you know, the, the relative justice that has been uh, heard over the last few years where the, you know, the family, you know, the, 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 the ruling of um, unlawfully killed, and you know, it took sort of, you know thirty years of of pain to get to that stage, and core to that, so central to that, is that the Sun newspaper were really you know they were the evil embodiment of that establishment that were trying to stop the truth from being heard, and you just don't you just don't touch that if you're a Liverpool fan you don't touch it you don't even look at it, and if you are so out of touch with the culture and the history of a club that you don't understand that then you've got no business really supporting that yeah. club, and I know that might sound a bit hard line, but that's the way I feel. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, otherwise people get confused if you don't, if you're not, you know, if you're not clear with these things. But you were, gonna, you got, you were saying about um, people coming into the Albert pub and um, you were saying that they would clearly were there for the first time. They've got a big bag full of souvenirs and they were singing songs. I thought you were going to start saying, who the fuck are they to start scamming well, in? But that is kind oh. of what I think. And this is why I, rem- I remember... Um, well, you, saw, you, you kind of took a tangent before you, you hit the nail. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, just as I'm self-important enough to have uh, thought this podcast was a good idea, I was also self-important enough in the um, late noughties, whatever they fucking called, I hate that term, um, to get in contact with the editor of the Liverpool, one of the Liverpool fanzines, um, Red All Over the Land. And I started submitting a couple of articles. And, uh, and it was essentially the one that I was sort of most happy with they got printed was about how I am a Southern based Liverpool fan who despises the majority of Southern based Liverpool fans. And I really, yeah. really do. I even know that, you know, what there's was a, there's, there's a that article. Like, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I don't we know. They like, yeah, you're right. We need to stop. Southerners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm not there. saying they should be stopped. I'm saying that like an example, I remember, if I remember rightly, one of the examples I used in that article was, um, how I was sick and fucking tired of hearing uh, on the rare occasion that we would have to drive up to Liverpool because there's engineering works on the train line or whatever. And you'd you'd park up near people who had done the same journey as you and hearing people sort of getting out their cars and like, going, oh, what a shithole and stuff. And they've they got a Liverpool shirt on. 
And you just think you, it's that lack. It's that lack of understanding that that making a decision to support a football club, whether you like it or not, it's not just about supporting those eleven players on the pitch. It's understanding and respecting, and and growing an affection or even love for the the, the area that that represents as well. I've got the problem is as with so many things in life, social media has made you know a discussion in some of these areas worse and more toxic than ever before and the group that we I sort of regularly go up to Anfield uh, with we all sort of meet before and we'll have lunch in this we get there deliberately and unnecessarily early we'll all have beers and lunch in this pub and then we go jump in taxis and go closer to the ground for the 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 last drink before the game starts yeah and uh, we don't actually go in the Albert anymore for reasons I'm happy to explain but the um but um some of the lads, who I love, by the way, the, all of them, they're, they're great friends of mine, but some of them have actually started to actively dislike Scousers. And the reason for that is because they allow themselves to get in these stupid Twitter arguments with um, Scouse Liverpool fans who will abuse them, saying, ah, all the fucking Cockney day trippers, that's the problem with this club. And rather than kind of looking at that and saying, you know what, I can kind of understand why you would say that because it's difficult to get tickets. And if you lived in, if you were born and bred in Liverpool, you might think that it was, it would be fair that they should have, you know, some sort of priority access, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they just become so like offended by that argument that it becomes like this attritional, like standoff, a gen- genuinely like some of, some of my Liverpool mates seem to have a real problem with scouts. Yeah. And it just baffles me. It's all the scousers that support you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoever those pesky scousers. But, <laughs> but you know, do you know what I mean, though? What, I, what I'm getting at is that because the reason that's relevant to fan culture is because, you know, live, probably more so than any club, and I realise I'm biased, but Liverpool is famous all over the world for the, the impact on the identity that the the fans have made the atmosphere of the ground is is world famous the songs that they sing the the whole culture around you know the cop the relationship between the city and the people in the ground and the team and the club is so sort of tight and it's so famous and it's so kind of awe-inspiring that to not to kind of go into it and kind of almost consciously not understand that and respect that and appreciate that is baffling, but it is representative, I think, of one of the biggest dangers to, you know, one of the reasons football is so popular, it isn't just the simplicity and beauty of the game itself. It is everything that goes around it. And I, so a few years ago, we sold, Liverpool sold a player called Coutinho to Barcelona, right? And uh, we sold him for an extraordinary amount of money, which has gone on to be an amazing deal for for us because with the money that we used to sell him, we brought one of the best goalkeepers in the world and probably the best central defender in the world and have since won, uh, been to two Champions League finals, one of which we won, and won the league title. And poor Coutinho went to Barcelona, quickly lost his place in the team and has had a well, he had a season on loan at Bayern Munich in which he won the Champions League, but he did it as a bit part player and is now struggling again at Barcelona. So it's worked out brilliantly. But, I'm, but, but the point is that Soccer AM, which is a, a, a programme that I rightly and anyone with half a brain um, um, should despise, um, they, were, they had some fucking stupid sketch on there where 
this was literally the day before our next game. I can't remember. We were playing on the Sunday and this was on the Saturday morning. And it was someone dressed in a comedy Scouse wig. And he was singing. So we, Liverpool sing, sing this song about Sadio Mane to the tune of Sugar, Honey, Honey by whoever that's by, you know, Sugar. Da, 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 da. And, <laughs> and uh, oh, Mane, Mane. And, um, and, and, and so they, they realising that, they put together this rubbish song. And it was, and it was like, it was just shit. And it was like, we've, um, we've got Salah and money, money, Bobby Firmino, but we sold Coutinho. Now that is a song that has been invented by some prick in a, in a soccer AM um, um, production meeting the day before the show. They've put it together because they think that's fucking funny. And then some knobheads who uh, don't understand how a football song is formed will turn up the game next day and actually think that, People are watching that and thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to sing that Enfield tomorrow. And that's just not the way it works. But my problem on that particular occasion is the Albert pub, which I've been going in by this stage for about 20 years, started piping in. They'd sort of clipped that from the telly. They'd and started piping it into the fucking pub. And there's all these, like, lo- hardcore locals who have been kind of dominating the atmosphere in that pub for, for generations, singing their amazing songs. And you can't fucking hear because it's being they're having this shit, this commercial shit piped in over them. And as a result, that the, that pub has now basically been destroyed. All the locals got fed up because they kept doing that. They kept piping on a loop. They kept piping various other clips of, you know, crap, um, um, homogenous uh, uh, music. And they just eventually sort of gave up and have all started going their separate ways to sort of, you know, different pubs for the game. And I know that probably sounds like such an unimportant issue, but it isn't because that's part of the, the fan, the match day experience. And that's something, once that's lost, you can't, you can't get that back. And, you know, I, I worry as, as someone who really loves the, the, everything around the, the football experience, I worry that it's going to become reduced to a world of, so, you know, memes and, you know, so, you know, social media clips and going to football like people who like people who aren't really interested in music. But they go to they'll go to Glastonbury so that they look good on Instagram. They'll look cool. You know, I've, oh, look, I've got a pair of sparkly wellies and I'm in the crowd um, for the fucking legend Sunday spot. Oh, look, I'm watching Dolly Parton. Oh, aren't I fucking. Have you been on my Facebook? <laughs> But I edgy and kooky. And you just say, fuck off. You know, go back to drinking your fucking pint of Peroni in, in uh, all bar one, you middle of the road basic twat. And <laughs> you know, I go back and listen to Radio twat. 2 and fuck off, you know? <laughs> Christ. We used to meet up quite regularly in the slug and lettuce in Canary Wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good old days. Really good stuff. Yeah. So you sort of touched upon it a little bit about, you know, the, the kind of the, the commercialization, um, yeah. the, the corporate culture that, that has sort of come to dominate modern day football. Um, and I've read somewhere about sort of the rise in influence of, of kind of supporter groups. And, and some of these I haven't even heard of, to be honest. So the in- Independent Man U Supporters Association, yep. Spirit of Shankly, yep. the fact that, 20% of Swansea City owned by the supporters. You know, those kind of groups and, um, and and initiatives. I mean, would you would you say right that these are, are, are building? Well, in my opinion, they're highly desirable and they are inevitable because people 
you know, I'm not alone in feeling like this. I'm probably, I'd imagine, in terms of match attending football fans, I'm probably part of the majority. And, you know, people, it's a major part of people's lives. And I think this is one of the things that if you don't, if you're not, if you kind of, if you can sort of take or leave football, it must be quite difficult to understand just how important it is to people and how, you know, you look forward all week to go into that game and how it says, it says so much about who you are and your, your sort of, you know, your, your social group and your social life. And, you know, so clubs, so many clubs up and down the country, firstly, they've been threatened by financial ruin a lot of the time. So supporters um, through action, you know, collective action will, you know, self-finance recoveries and sort of, you know, take over clubs or buy shares in clubs. So then, and then that, that allows people to actually have fan representation on boards and be part of the decision-making process to stop your club becoming just a pawn in a, in a sort of, you know, Saudi billionaire's uh, dream. Um, so, you know, so you sort of, you know, protect your club in that respect because, you know, you have horror stories in the last 15 years, like Portsmouth, where they had like about five owners in the, a year and a half and all of them were just mercenaries trying to drain the club and then the club almost go completely bankrupt and you know they have to start again to go from being a stable Premier League club who won the FA Cup to being in League Two within a few years and that can happen to pretty much any any club really that's what's quite terrifying about it because there's so many um, shall we say uh, less you know disreputable um, people sort of hovering around football trying to make a fast buck and so groups like this are a very much a rebellion against that, but also against this kind of, you know, this sanitization of, of, uh, you know, football and fo- sort of football fan culture, making sure, you know, spirit of Shankly, I can speak, you know, about that one because, you know, even though I'm not clearly a, a member of it, I, I see its influence greatly and they've pushed really hard to ensure that um, a, a proportion of tickets are, made sort of ring fenced and made available for people with a an L postcode. Um and the um the sort of you know the core values and the ethos that were pushed through really from Shankly, which a lot of people, even though he took over Liverpool in nineteen fifty nine, um the 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 re- a lot of people see that really as the birth of the club from that point onwards because everything that he kind of instilled remains relevant to this present day. And it was a real sort of you know socialist principles of never forgetting who you're playing for and who you're representing. And these are real people and these, you owe everything to these people. And that connection between fan and club being so um, like unimaginably important for the success and the identity of the club and spirit of Shankly exists to ensure that that remains. And that the, the, this, this kind of, you know, corporate world in which football has been sort of swallowed up in over the last sort of, you know, 20, 30 years, that there still remain Because if, if everything, if all the investment, if Sky Sports, BT Sport, Amazon, and all of the club owners from all over the world overnight withdrew their money, who's going to be left? It's going to be the supporters. They're still, they'll go whatever. You know, the, the, the 45,000 people at Anfield, the 70-odd thousand people at Old Trafford, the two and a half thousand people who go up the road here at Leighton Orient, you know, they're the ones that are there forever. So that's, so in a lot of ways, they, even if it's just metaphorically, they are the real club owners because they're not, they're, ne- they're never disappearing. They're, they're, their support, be it, you know, inter- you know, financially, emotionally, physically, that is, it's indestructible. And, um, and, I've, you know, clearly there's been a big concern to ensure that the, 
clubs become more than just sort of a billionaire's plaything. And that's re- where that's actually having an impact in terms of the the, the evolution of football and, and in a in a very positive way is that now because a lot of these fan groups are much more organized and um, powerful and significant when you get um, suggestions to the the changes to the framework of football uh, you know this 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 recent thing um, project restart which I've touched on in uh, I think last week I mean about how awful it was now shamed as a Liverpool fan I was that the, the owners of our club were one of the key proponents of this where they want to ring fence decision making and, and and the powers to push the future direction of football between a, an increasingly small number of sort of super clubs and football fan organised groups are going to be absolutely key in rebutting that and ensuring that it that football clubs are more than a, a billionaire's plaything, and that it, you know it still matters that there are people who are going to be filling the stadium every week even if you make the majority of your money through international broadcasting rights and shirt sales and the other side of the world it still matters it's still you know those people are going to be less inclined to connect to that club if that club has got a stadium that's all of a sudden half full and they've been you know relegated or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll do a... Are we done, we'll, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. What the, the only thing left to do is for me to repeat your suggestions back to you and then decide which one you want to do next week. Um, so, uh, threats to the 92 professional clubs. I'm not entirely sure what that was. All right, go on the next one and I'll see. see All right, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is much better. Uh Random moans, likes and dislikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the whole podcast is, surely. Yeah. Uh, random moans, yeah maybe likes that, and maybe that's just, I'm reading the synopsis of what we do. Yeah. Um, okay. Key key moments that have shaped modern football. Yeah, let's have a go at that one. That's quite an interesting one. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll try and well, think about that. I might actually give that some thought beforehand because, you know. <laughs> oh, mate. It would be awful to come on here and sound stupid, wouldn't it? <laughs> Well, anyway, on, on 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 that bombshell, it's time to say goodbye. Okay. All right. See you later, Mark. Bye, everyone. <laughs>